another big controversy is happening with the St. Louis Chess Club and, of course, Hans Niemann. Report that Jordan Van Forest, who was there, won $2,800 playing Bughouse in one night. Are you kidding me? $2,800? That's a lot of um, money. <laughs> not bad, right? That's, that's really could good. Have, could have also lost money. It was at like 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. I was so tired, I just couldn't see the pieces anymore. Welcome back, everybody, to another C-Squared Podcast episodes. We are once again on the go, on the move. Fabi, you're in Germany, ready for the Freestyle Goat Challenge, uh, Chess 960, or however you want to call it nowadays. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we have to address something first. You got a haircut, man. Yeah, I did. It is what it is. <laughs> I think that's the big one, right? Because I remember last year um, when we were getting ready to play the Tata Steel, when you were getting ready to play the Tata Steel and we met in Spain and you had the exact same haircut. There's something at the beginning of the year that, you know, you, you just kind of shed your your skin off. I don't know, shed your hair off. Like, is, is there some symbolism attached to it? Well, this is not as short as that one, but... Um... I basically told the guy, he was like, what do you want me to do? I was like, you you do what you want to do. And he was like, do you want to clean like me? And I was like, sure, let's let's do it. So um, then he charged me an amount that I feel was like you're a tourist amount. That was the sort of thing. It was like 30 euros. Where is this, in like, Germany? Yeah. I, I was like, okay, this. I'm not sure the prices for haircuts in different countries. Like I've gone to Spain, it's like in when I've gone to Spain, it was been it's been ten euros or eight euros, which is very cheap. You go to the U.S., you're probably looking at like twenty five bucks, maybe more, depending if you're going to a really fancy place. But if you're going to like an old school barber shop, I guess like twenty twenty five bucks these no, days. No, no, right? no, 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 no. The barber shops are extremely expensive. If you go to like, I, mean, I, I don't at know. At least the... when I went to like old school barber shop, it was like twenty twenty bucks, and then you leave a tip, right? And. Um, Whatever, like twenty percent. Like I mean, if you go to Supercuts, it's twenty bucks. Supercuts is twenty bucks, which is like a chain. If you go to barber shops, it's like forty-five. Okay, I think forty-five is excessive. I, I don't. That's what I pay for my haircuts. And yeah, that's like, could, like could, that's like Missouri. Like it's not very regulated, is it? I mean, it, it's it not. seems like. Anyway, I I felt like thirty euros. He gave me a look. I was like, okay, he's <laughs> is he waiting for me to say something? But I, I didn't. I don't. I don't care that much. Okay, like we didn't agree to a price beforehand. It didn't seem like. It seemed like he was just saying it off the cuff. Like okay, it's thirty euros, which basically all he did was take a. Um, I mean, he basically just shaved my head, so it, it wasn't like he did something extraordinary there. Uh, not to say that he did a bad job. I remember once in twenty twenty one, I went to this place in St. Louis, and it was like. I forget which part of town it was at, but it was like Latino Barbershop. That's, I think that's actually what it was called. Um, and the guy, he looked at me, he's like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> and then he, I could tell that he was like, he'd never seen hair like mine before. Yeah. Or he had at least never cut it before. And then the guy looked terrified. Uh, so he did like the worst job ever. He barely cut it. He like did some stuff which wouldn't amount to a haircut. And then he charged me 35 bucks. And after that, I just went to the nearest, um, I, I guess I went to, uh, what was the nearest store? Like some sort of Target or something. I got some 
electric clippers and I just did my own job, <laughs> which was way better than what he did. But it was just a disaster. Uh, so that was my worst experience. I used to do that during 2020, 2020, 2021. I was giving myself haircuts. To be honest, I was doing a pretty good job. The problem is it was like extremely time consuming. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like really a good job. Like I was basically just clipping my sides and my back um, without being able to see what I'm doing. And that was kind of problematic, but slowly but surely I was doing, it, it, it's not super complicated. I was just like shaving it off basically. Yeah, um, it's, it's not the, the hardest job in the world if you want to do like the very basic stuff, right? If you just want to get it shorter, if you don't want to like style or do some designs, don't want to fade or something, know. you know, yeah. Fades. I usually get a fade. So maybe that's why it's like 40, 45 bucks generally. Like in Miami, for example, when I went there, I think uh, it was like 35, 30 or 35, oh, yeah, this something is, like that. This is a great story. Like we have a flight and you decide, uh, yeah, we have a flight at like 1 p.m. <laughs> so why not get a haircut in the morning of all days? <laughs> why not wait until you're back home and then get a haircut? Why I, not do it on the day of the flight? I wanted to get a Miami haircut. So the thing is that I flew directly from the Pan Ams to Miami for the training camp. So I didn't have time to do anything. I didn't have time to like take care of myself. And during the camp, we basically don't have time to do any of that. Um, no grooming, no nothing, right? So it's kind of like a shedding of the skin, like basically what we kind of discussed at the beginning. It, it, it's symbolic, I guess. I wanted to get a Miami haircut, symbolic, and just... Um, notify the world that we've done the job and now we go back home type of thing i don't know at least that's the way i'm looking at it you're, yes, that's you're, how we all felt well i mean first <laughs> no, of all it's, it's fine it's fine it's fine let's <laughs> let's get off the topic of haircuts because i think that our viewers will probably uh get annoyed after a while if we keep talking about haircuts I, or I, maybe I, they'll like it i don't know I think haircuts are important. Um, I think men should get haircuts. I know women get haircuts and generally men, um, a good haircut on, on a man, I feel it's like makeup on, on a woman. Is that is that the bad thing to say? I don't know. Like let's, yeah, we're getting into terror. I don't know. I don't know. Is anymore. that edgy? I think it, it might be edgy. It's not edgy. It just sounds strange. <laughs> like these are unrelated things, right? Well, let's just put it this way. I feel like a man without a haircut can definitely improve his appearance by getting a haircut. It's a very easy thing to do. It doesn't take a long time. It covers you for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And you can do that every month and add a certain layer of professionalism to your look. Simple. Very simple. And you don't have to spend yeah. a lot of money on it. That's that's true. There, it's not super expensive, especially if you get one every four months, like I do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, I had the impression that you were growing it. You're growing the the hair. I thought that since you haven't had one in a long time, I thought that you're probably going to like grow it to infinity. No, I'm just kind of kind of lazy. I don't know. I'm lazy with the weirdest things. Like if something doesn't interest me, then I'm lazy about it. If something interests me, then I, I'm very hardworking with it. I like it. Uh, so yeah, haircuts just, I, I know it's like 20 or 30 minutes and it's not a big deal. And I have a, a, a barber shop, uh, or I guess you'd call it more of like a salon, literally on my block. So literally a, a you know, 100 meter walk or less. Uh, and, and I still 
usually don't find the interest to bring myself walk there make an appointment or just walk in <laughs> right I, but for you it's also a little bit different right because your hair is special in a way right it, it's kind of like a trademark of uh, your look for me it's like just regular straight hair everybody has it like your hair is much more special than mine so you know you have options like you can grow it and then if you decide to do what you did right now anyway let us know in the comments if you like it or not uh do you like it i don't, I don't care that much i don't really i don't care about my appearance too much to be honest excellent <laughs> as long as i don't look like a complete mess it's i agree okay. i agree that's that's how it should be all right germany um you actually showed me a couple of photos uh, a lot of interesting details in germany in preparation for the freestyle go challenge um did you already have the opening ceremony what can you tell us about the vibe the atmosphere in germany um yeah so first i went to play an event which wasn't publicized at all i, I kind of said there's going to be something special happening and i didn't want to give the details because i didn't know if it would be publicized at all and it turned out that not only was it not publicized, it wasn't broadcast. There was no news about it. It's not like it wasn't publicized beforehand. It, it wasn't publicized afterhand. There there was no publicity about it. Nobody knows it happened except for the people there. And yet it was probably one of the strongest events, if you want to call it an event, which has occurred in the chess world. Really? Ding was there. What was it? Uh, Ding, I was there. Levon was there. Uh, Arjun was there. Gukesh was there. Um, Andrei Yasipenko was there and um, Niels Grandelius was there and other players, I, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting people who were there, but there were so many players and um, it kind of coincided with the Bundesliga and then there was a side event besides the Bundesliga which didn't get any publicity at all but it was basically some sort of bug house with all the players. Ding decided after prolonged thought that he does not like bug house. I can give you that <laughs> piece of news. Um, other players mostly like Bughouse. I really thought that this event would have like would be broadcast, maybe at least to Twitch or something, but it was completely private, uh, in in like some sort of ball, not ballroom, in some sort of like conference room of, of a hotel, and was like just hours of Bughouse between these players, and also included some Bughouse betting, even gambling. So I can report that. Jordan Van Forest, who was there, won $2,800 playing Bughouse in one night. Are you kidding me? $2,800? That's a lot of not, money. <laughs> not bad, right? That's, that's really you good. Have, you could have also lost money. It was that's possible. Really but um, I was actually the, not the recipient, like I didn't bet against him, but I was part of the team that bet against him. I didn't want to like get involved, but it was at like two in the morning or three in the morning. I was so tired. I just couldn't see the pieces anymore. And we were also an underdog team against them. It was uh, Niels, Niels, uh, and uh, and Jordan against me and um, and my partner Vadim Rosenstein. And we like we're an underdog team. It's we're we're kind of outrated on one board massively. Not to not to be rude or anything, but that's that's the case, right? Sure. Yeah. And and also I was completely exhausted. And Niels, if people don't know, is. Uh, a truly excellent bughouse player. Jordan is okay um, for for a beginner. Uh, I'm I'm kind of seasoned, so I'm. I'm you're very I'm good. Not... No, no, you're you're, you're very good. I, I I would place you maybe a level below Levon, who I know is like 
also extremely good, but a very slight level below Levon. If that. Yeah, we're, we're still talking about like M, like even Levon, he's a good player, but we are, and also Niels, he's a very good player, but we are still talking about not the best players in the world. The best players in the world in Bughouse are not really tremendously no. strong yes. chess players. Yes. And they mostly play online and uh, they might not really be very well known. I, I don't even know them too well myself, but I know that there's some players who are going to absolutely destroy the best chess players in the world in Buckhouse. Yeah. But I, I play for fun and I know quite a bit about it, so it's something I've been doing on and off for years and years. And like from a chess player who I know who's very good, Gula Mali is very good. He's about 2300 feet, I guess, and a uh, US player, right? And he's very good at Buckhouse. And then there's some online names that I've heard of, but I, I don't really know how good they are, like in the world rankings, if there are world rankings. Anyway, um, but that was that was it. It was a Buckhouse thing. Very nice. Okay, so it was kind of like a private thing, um, a pleasure, you know, of the organizer, I guess. Uh, you mentioned Vadim. I would assume he's involved in this whole ordeal, um, and I think he publicized at least his last. Uh, uh, the Backhouse, uh, the tournament that he did right during the WR Masters last year. And I think they had a lot of fun. It got a lot of media and everybody seemed to be enjoying uh, the games. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys had a good time. Was this at the same place or the, the tournament that you were just about to play? Um, no, it was different city. I'm now in a city. I don't know if it's, I would call it a city. Um, I'm in, in, about an hour from Hamburg. Mm-hmm. So I don't like the place that we're at. I'm not exactly. It's a resort, but I don't know like the surrounding area too well. I don't know if there's any major cities nearby. Maybe like, um, I mean, we're up north, so I guess we might even be close to Denmark. I guess. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess major German cities that are nearby are like Kiel, uh, Lübeck, uh, and Hamburg is like the biggest city that's nearby. But it's like an hour, maybe hour to twenty minutes away. From that, so it's quite quite a. I mean, I went from Hamp to I took a train from Dusseldorf to Hamburg, which is pretty convenient. I, I like the German uh, train system. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. So I took one one direct train, three hours, um, comfortable train. That's not bad. And um, just worked a bit on the train, like they have Wi-Fi. Everything is very convenient. And then took a car from there. Got here. It's a very beautiful resort. Uh, it's called the Weisenhaus. Resort. It looked like that from from the photos. It's like a five star yeah, resort. Yeah, very beautiful. Uh, the the spa here was voted the best in the world. Uh, that that I, that's what I've heard at least. I, I really can't wow. like I haven't done my research into this, but that's what I've heard. That was voted the best in the world, and I went to see it because I really like sauna. I really like um, swimming and mm-hmm. all that. So I went to experience it. Spent about two hours. It was indeed very nice, and. Um, I just came from a dinner and I saw some people I hadn't seen. Well, actually, I saw one person I hadn't seen in a long time. Peter Leko. Leko was there. Okay. Yeah. Is, is he doing commentary or? Play. Yeah. Sorry, what's that? Is he doing commentary for the tournament? Yes, he is with Tanya Sachdev. So I've seen Tanya recently in St. Louis, but Peter, I haven't seen for five years. And we used to play very often, of course. He was one of the best players in the world during his time. Now he's focusing on commentary, coaching, and so on. But still, of course, one of the best players of his generation, no doubt. Played a world championship match against Kramnik in 2004. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Tanya's doing the other commentary. It was a big dinner. Ding was there. Ding's mother. 
who I met recently for the first time. Very seems like a very nice um, person. I we don't like share a common language, but he was like a very nice person. Thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing um, is a nice guy as well. You know, he he's uh, he's a quiet person, but uh, generally seems quite personable. And um, yeah, that was about it. Magnus, Magnus is also here, but he was sitting at a separate table along with Ali Reza was near their table. I don't know if they were. That was after they played their match. So, well, so they had Magnus their match, there. yeah. So ah, so I guess they played their match from the same location, more or less. Yeah, different rooms, of course, but the same complex. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And then they went to dinner, and it was a really nice dinner. Uh, food is excellent. Everything's really nice here. I have to say, it's going to be a fun event. Um, I do encourage people to check it out. It's a freestyle go chess challenge. It's kind of a weird name, but whatever. it's a weird name. <laughs> go, yeah, we've talked about goats. Goats. You like goats. Uh, you're, you're a fan I, of goats. I, I like goats a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a very big fan. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of unfairly treated because they're seen as like these demonic symbols, right? Really? I, I guess so. I guess so. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, very often um, seen. The horns But they're and not everything. actually mm-hmm. demonic, yeah. it turns out. I, I don't think. Um, I, I can't confirm, but I don't think that they're connected to demons in any way. Very nice animals, for sure. I mean, we use them for food, right? Um, goat cheese, goat meat. I mean, we use them quite a lot. I'm not sure about I mean, goat goat milk is very common. Yeah, yes. goat cheese. But goat meat? I, we don't really eat goats, do we? Not mm. that often, at least. Mm, I guess not. Anyway, I, 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 I like they probably milk and their cheese. They probably eat goats in like Kazakhstan or something. I, I know they eat horse in Kazakhstan. They love their whole yeah, horse. Yeah, I've had horse. You've had horse. I've tried. Yeah, I, I hope our viewers don't uh, judge me too harshly, but I, I tried horse, raw horse. Raw? Um, yeah. Okay, that sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> frightening. That's it. <laughs> I don't know about frightening, but yeah, okay. I, look, I, I have nothing against horses. People get very sensitive about horses because, yeah, especially, especially in America, people love their horses. Yes, which um, is also fair. Uh, like I, I, it's been a long time, so don't judge me too much on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So probably is going to be a fun event. When's the last time you played Chess Nine Sixty? Uh, was it the World? Actually, no. You played Chess Nine Sixty in St. Louis. Did you yes. win that event last year? Well, I won in twenty twenty two, and in twenty twenty three, I did not win. I had to win the last round, but instead, I lost. The last round and therefore my opponent won mm, okay which was very unsatisfactory is there anything different or is it just like just 960 it's it's exactly the same it's just called freestyle they want to call it freestyle and the reason why is because they want to reach a wide audience that includes non-chess enthusiasts so people who don't really know chess that makes sense and nobody if you don't if you don't know much about chess and you're seeing this for the first time chess 960 sounds kind of bizarre like you have to explain okay it's 960 possible positions but we're taking one out but we'll still call it chess 960 even though we take one out which is the the main position you could say yeah or fisher random fisher random it's like people who don't know about chess will be like who is this fisher and why is he random Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but if you call it freestyle you can explain yeah it's we're we're just mixing the pieces up it's freestyle and it sounds like some something cool. That that's their reasoning. I mean, I, I don't particularly care what they call it, but that's why they call it that. 
how are you going to approach this tournament? Um, when we went to the World Championship, the Chess 960 World Championship, we were actually even doing some preparation in between games. Are you going to do any of that or just freestyle it? I will actually have a second here. You will? Okay. But um, but the, we're not going to be... You can't prepare for Fisher Random. I, I think we'll do some general chess work and play some training games, play some Blitz, play some Rapid. Um, I, I'm going to focus a lot on like physical stuff during this tournament, so I want to make sure that I'm... Because, I, I, yeah, I think that this is one of those occasions when you usually have to prepare very very much before a game. Here, since you don't have to, you can you know go for a jog, go for a walk, go to the spa. Yeah. And do whatever else you want to do to take your mind off chess for a little bit, which is a rare... Um, privilege during a chess tournament so i'm going to take advantage of it no i i think that's that's a great strategy i mean obviously once march rolls in things are becoming extremely extremely busy uh, the american cup training for the candidates things of that nature i mean the candidates are approaching really quickly and we know how taxing those can be so yeah no that's that's actually sounds like a very fun event and very um useful event as well you know, it nurtures the creativity a little bit. Why not have some fun, enjoy it? You play the no castle chess. That was uh, that was interesting. You're playing this one right now, so should be a good time. Should be a good time. And what's the time format? It's a classical time format: ninety minutes with no increment, and then thirty minutes with thirty second increment after move forty. And then there will also be rapid chess incorporated in it. I have to check the exact details, but it's it's um, like rapid matches, then that's placement, and then matches of classical, and so on and so forth. Cool. Uh, which sounds interesting. It's going to be the first classical Fisher Random, or Chestnut, whatever you want to call it, event. Yeah. And um, yeah, classical is interesting for this format. We'll see. I would prefer to play rapid, but open to classical as well. No, 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 definitely should be should be quite interesting. I mean, especially since you're going to be thinking from move one, more or less, right? Uh, by the way, when are you going to find out the position? I think that's an important factor. Are you going to well, find each, it the night before? Or? Position, and it will be 10 minutes before each game. 10 minutes, so you don't get pretty much any time to prepare, no, more or less. You, you can just look at the position a bit, think about it a bit, and that's it, on okay. your own, without a computer. So you're not even allowed a computer in? No, of course not. No, they do not want to allow that. I think you can discuss it with other players. I think they're going to split it up into teams. White and black can discuss on their own. Okay. The white players, the white uh, players who play with the white pieces, I should say, uh -huh. and and the players who play with the black pieces. Yeah, it will be a fun event. I'm very much looking forward to playing. Yeah. No. Sounds like a good time, and we're going to post probably somewhere in the description all the details about the event when it starts, where you can follow it. We're probably not going to do anything on the channel, but anyway, I'm definitely going to be um, following it for, you know, for the fun of it. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's fun. What else happened in the chess world in the last uh, week or so since we last chatted? Oh, <laughs> in Europe, not so much. Actually, maybe in Europe as well. But um, another big controversy is happening with the St. Louis Chess Club and... Of course, Hans Niemann. Um, February 2nd, big statement came from the St. Louis Chess Club. 
basically saying that while the St. Louis Chess Club remains committed to providing a world-class environment for all levels of chess players to play and enjoy chess, after recent consideration, um, the St. Louis Chess Club has made the difficult decision not to extend an invitation to GM Hans Niemann to participate in any invitational tournaments organized by the club in 2024. Um, so we're going through the timeline right now. The decision was based on GM Hans Niemann's demonstrated inappropriate behavior, including damaging private property, rude comments, and an uncooperative attitude, resulting in a failure to fulfill contractual obligations. Um, the decision was not made lightly, and we hope this serves as an opportunity for growth and personal reflection and they will reevaluate and see whether they will uh, invite him in 2025 so one year ban from the st louis chess club invitational events for hans uh, that's a pretty big statement um, and we will soon learn a lot more details about it did it first of all this kind of came as a shock to me um i did not expect it i had ideas of hans unruly behavior um say unruly behavior let's say uh let's call it that way basically we will get into that in just a second uh but yes it was kind of well known in closed circles i would assume you knew about the situation at the hotel when he um trashed more or less his room and then had to pay a fine for it your take on the statement okay so first of all I, I don't I think I heard a rumor someone heard something from somebody I didn't put much weight into it <coughs> um, and so I, I didn't really know if there was any truth to it or not <laughs> yeah about the hotel room and uh, I mean I really heard like very from a very offhand source who heard it from a player, I think, from the tournament, and I wasn't sure that there was anything to it, if it was real or not, you know. You can always hear some things, and and then I forgot about the thing completely. Yeah. Um, basically, it was clear that uh, for a while, there were tournaments that Hans would have been a natural fit for that he wasn't being invited to. But also, since the chess club can invite whoever they want, and they have no obligation to invite one player or another, you wouldn't expect that it would ever come into some sort of dispute because, um, well, the tournament that I would I would think actually set things off is the American Cup uh, because most likely... You mean, I mean the Hans upcoming uh, American Cup? Yeah, yeah, the one which happened last year and which will happen again this year in March. Because the, the United States Championship, Hans is eligible to play by... People always have a problem with how I pronounce that word, but we'll... Anyway, he, he's allowed to play in the American Cup because he qualifies by rating, and the American Cup is only hosted by St. Louis. They don't decide who plays. That's purely uh, a matter of qualification. So mm -hmm. it's 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 their event to host. But I think they have one wild US card, chess. right? Yeah, they have one wild I don't, I don't actually know who decides who that wild card is. It doesn't really matter. Um, but basically, the St. Louis Chess Club is just the place where they hold it. And they organize, they, you know, put the prize fund up, I think, uh, which it's an excellent prize fund. It's like 60 grand first prize, kind of unheard of in, in national championships. So Hans, Hans, of course, can play that, and he did play that in the last two years. And then the, all the invitationals, like the 
um, spring classic GM, winter classic GM, all, all these things which the club hosts. I don't know if Hans cares too much about it, but he did show, he did say publicly that he had asked to play and asked to be invited, and he would have been a very natural fit for that tournament because he's 2675 currently. He would be a bit higher than the average rating in the, the spring classic, for example, or any of these classic tournaments mm-hmm. that they hold quarterly. And the American Cup, if they simply go down the rating list, then I think he would he would be near the bottom, but he would be one of the players that would be invited. Like, it's, let's say I'm highest rated, then Karu, then Wesley, then Lanier, then Levon. That's eight players, so I think that's five. And then there's um, Hans is, is among... For, for this year, he was number eight uh, by rating, but I would assume some of them um, declined to participate. And basically, oh, they Hikaru, invited Hikaru, all the way... Right? I think he card declined. Yes, at least he yeah. I'm not sure about anybody else, but I know that they invited sure, up to Gregory Oparin, uh, which is number ten in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Hans uh, was kind of you could say he was left out of this, which was just going according to ratings. And then the question is why? And of course, I had no clear answer to that. And Nobody really thought about it, I guess. I mean, the players who were playing might have given some thoughts to it, but the outside world, of course, who would think about it? But for Hans, it is definitely a missed tournament. It's a you know tournament with a serious prize fund, very nice format. Uh, I don't know what the first prize is. Maybe it's like 60 or something, but pretty serious money in the tournament. And, and of course, playing against the best players in the United States, also a nice thing and, and definitely something that he wants to play. So I assume, and I don't know this, but I assume that that's what set it off. That basically he's like, I want to play this tournament. I'm, I'm in the rating list. I'm top eight in the United States. Why am Why am, is someone else getting it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, well, we don't have to assume too much because he, Hans actually did give his story, uh, his retelling of the events. Yeah, and he said that there was like communication back and forth. Back and forth. Mostly he was trying to get in touch, and he wasn't getting responses. This is, of course, his account, so we 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 don't really know exactly what the, the club would counter with in terms of if this is 100% accurate or not. But basically, he was saying that he was trying to get in contact and trying to get invited and asking for advice, and the club was not very responsive. And um, eventually, the reason that the club gave is um, that they're not inviting him because he damaged uh, some property um some private property and he was kind of unhelpful in terms of um interviews and stuff i don't remember all the details but basically that was it and then han said okay you know i i damaged this stuff in the hotel but it was only the a few minor things and i paid for it and that's basically where the story stands um so i'm just i don't have inside info i'm just saying exactly what hans and the club publicly said basically Hans is saying I paid for the damage and so on um and therefore my the, the slate should be wiped clean right yeah and yeah. the club has decided that this slate is not wiped clean and and for the next year I guess that's mm-hmm. what they said right mm-hmm. that 2024 that, this year yeah he can he can still play the US championship that's yes. I think a given but and he played it last year as well and I think when he stopped getting invitations was January 2023 by his account. Uh, that's when he said that things have sure. more or less slowed down in terms of invitations for him. So he didn't play the classics, uh, you know, the St. Louis chess classics. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know the timeline exactly like 
was it this U.S. Championship? I guess it was this U.S. Championship. He like played 2023. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, but was like the hotel room this U.S. Championship? It or was. It was this one, yeah. was this one after. Uh, at least, the discussion is that I think after the game against Robson when he caught his own queen. Okay, the timeline doesn't doesn't like 100% add up for me, but I I don't really know the full story from all the parties involved. And to be honest, I I don't care very much. <laughs> I mean, right. it's not really it has nothing to do with me. Right. Um, it's the it's a private dispute between a player and an organizer. And the reason it got made public is because Hans um, told the St. Louis Chess Club, "We will make I'll make it public if you don't." Get on a call, and uh, this is what he said. Yeah, yes. we don't get on a call, and uh, and uh, we figure out some solution to this. And then, rather than getting on a call, they just said, "Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll make our own public statement first. So they got ahead of it, which is probably the the correct PR move. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I assume that's yeah. This the, is the... it's a whole PR kind of back and forth. Uh, between Hans and I guess the club but one thing I will say and you know you, you can take this with a grain of salt because I have a great relationship with uh, the club I have not heard too many players speak badly about the club obviously I have a working relation with the club so um, you, you don't have to uh, trust me or take my word for any of this but generally threatening a private organizer with releasing sens sensible information and private conversations and things of that nature is not going to play in your favor. Um, I, I feel that's just a losing move by itself for Hans. If his stated goal, and he's, he said it many times that his stated goal is to just play more tournaments and kind of escape the loop of open tournaments where you know it's so difficult to gain rating and whatnot he wants to play invitational events strong invitational events and a lot of them are organized by the saint louis chess club so if that's your stated goal then i don't think threatening the club um being rude to their management um and i think he he did say quite some disparaging stuff about the management at the club as well, which is, you know, you just shouldn't do that. You're, you're a young, up-and-coming, growing player. Just be nice, uh, and, and, and you will get your invitations. Everybody wants to see Hans play. There's, you know, he, he brings a lot of attention, a lot of eyeballs to, to a tournament, but you're not going to get your way by threatening um, private organizers. It's, that, that's, just, that's just silly in in my in my opinion well yeah okay like again from i'm not a pr expert i i haven't done any studying in, in terms of public relations but it, it's not a very logical move i think because like let's say for the next year that he he sort of in the past there was a conflict and obviously they're at odds with each other now but for the next year the main thing that he misses is the American Cup because the like classic events, they're you know they're good events, but they're not like gonna really change his career or sure. I don't I don't think that he's gonna miss those events so much. So it's mainly the American Cup and the American Cup already the invitations are out. Like this move is not going to get him in the American Cup because it it can't. Like the, the invitations are out and everyone, uh, the field is probably set already. I, I don't know for sure, but I I assume so. Mm -hmm. Like I already accepted my invitation, for example. Yeah, the field so, is set. The field is set for. So he he's not getting it. There is no way that this move would gain him something, 
but it does potentially burn bridges. And I don't, I really doubt that he was at a point with the club where the relations were not possible to mend with in terms of, you know, um, uh, you know, just being yes. friendly and yes. cordial and uh, trying to leave the past behind a bit. And, and yeah, it's, you know, I, I can give you an example. Like at some point, Ali Reza and the Tata Steel tournament organization had a, had a big falling out very, yeah, very because of a point. pretty silly thing, but it, it resulted in the falling out. It was, uh, Ali Reza was very upset about the conditions during one game. And uh, I don't know if it was a game against me actually, but it was basically, he was the like, last game. This was the Maybe last, the last game. game, yeah? Yeah. They had to move his table because of the yeah, tie breaks. They wanted to move his board because of an Armageddon or a, a tie break game that was going to happen, I think, between Anish and Jordan. Jordan. Mm -hmm. And okay, he was he's like, I'm not going to move during the middle of the game. Very fair point. But he got heated and basically uh, he said, I'm never coming back. They said, you're never coming back. And look what happened a few years later. He's back. I, I mean... The, the main thing I think with all players is that uh, like the world doesn't really give does, doesn't care about us. I mean we're we're purely performance based athletes if you want to call us athletes but we we only operate not on favor but in terms of performance. So uh, if let's say you have some rough relations with an organizer, like time will smooth it over. And the rest you basically do by getting a high enough rating that the organizer wants to have you. And they're like, okay, yeah, we had some difficulties in the past, but whatever. You're 2770, you're invited. That's that's basically how it works. And I've never had like terrible relations with organizers or bad relations, but I understand if my rating goes down, they don't invite me. If my rating goes up, they invite me. That's how it works. And bad relationships or st strained relationships will not stop that that's the essential equation. That's it. It's uh, organizers want high ratings. That's why Magnus plays. Okay. The, of course, it's also the eyeballs like Hans. He has some X factor a little bit. He has uh, notoriety. He has some fame, which means that he gets invitations, which um, like Tata Steele, for example, he gets some invitations that maybe another 2680 rated player will not get. Mm -hmm. uh, Correct. So yeah. although we, the, the narrative is very much that everyone's against him, it's actually quite the opposite. Uh, because the organizers actually do want him there to raise uh, the, the eyeballs a little bit, to raise the viewership. And as long as he's just not burning bridges, I mean, and if he improves his rating, he, he will get all the invitations that he could ever want. I mean, if he's 2750, nobody will deny him an invitation. Correct. But if he, if you're not 2750, it's like, okay, there's, there's Gukash, there's Prague, there's Keimer, there's... I mean, there's a million players. It's it's a very competitive field, so you um, you can't expect like there's there's organizers that let's say uh, in the past I've um, gotten a certain appearance fee to show up, and then a few years later my rating drops. I I don't even like tell them oh but you gave me this in the past. It's like okay now you give me less. I understand that's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. uh, my the demand for me is a bit lower. My rating is lower. If at some point I'm 2,600, the, the demand will be zero. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> there will be nowhere that wants me to, no organizer that wants me to play. And I'm not going to go and say, well, I'm deserving of all these invites because I'm me. It's, hey, you have your rating, you have your results, or you don't have uh, anything. And um, But of course, you, you don't burn bridges. It's just very silly. And that that's how the chess world works for people who are 
wondering. It's really rating based. That's that's essentially it. Yeah, no rating and you as Hans at like 2680, you are bringing something else to the table. You're bringing the attention. Uh, you're bringing, as you mentioned, the X factor. But at the end of the day, it's all about the relationships that you have with these organizers. Uh, you know, it, it's important to not burn bridges and to not do stupid shit. And um, I feel like upping the stakes and, and, and coming up with these demands um, publicly, it's not a good idea. Um, you know, yeah, deal, with it, but... deal with it privately, speak with the club. Uh, I understand there's been some, you know, falling off. And it, look, trashing a hotel room, it might not sound like much, but this is the hotel which the club hosts uh, their opening and closing ceremonies. Um, maybe not opening, actually, for the U.S. Championship, closing always. Um, all the players are lodged there. This is a very nice hotel. They have a very long-lasting relationship with the management. Even their offices are in this hotel. Like the St. Louis Chess Club management offices are in this hotel. So you sever those relationships by trashing, you know, uh, pretty much completely trashing the room. That's not going to be a great look for yourself, but also for the club. And the club probably didn't like that. I understand that there has been an apology element to it afterwards, but I mean, it's still kind of problematic. Okay, look, I think even at this point, of course, I can't, no, for sure. But I think even at this point, like there is no reason for Hans to despair. I mean, if he gets his rating up, basically you can't, organizers can't really ignore it. Yeah. And uh, the, the club, from my experience, has always been very reasonable. Like they're just a very professional organization. They go by the book mostly. Um, and so I, I don't see why they wouldn't invite him in the future. But yeah, there's no reason to try to like fight someone who like it's it's like we're chess players and the organizers are giving us the the means to support ourselves right without organizers without sponsors basically there would be no professional chess of course so you're kind of fighting against against yourself in a way because this is how we this is how we make our career it's like let's say you play a world championship match the prize fund could be two million or it could be five thousand dollars like there was a time when when the world championship match was okay we're talking a long time ago but was contested for um like you know maybe a month's rent or something uh you know it wasn't it wasn't like it was always the case that people could make money from chess so it's it's just a bit it's kind of not very helpful to put it mildly it's actually counterproductive i'd say to fight against the people who are making chess possible as a as a career as like i'm i'm a chess professional hans is also a chess professional as far as i can tell right i don't think he's um doing anything else besides working on chess and um and you know in in general like i one thing that i quite like about hans is that he does love chess he does take it seriously i really believe that he like is passionate about his chess um okay yeah you shouldn't uh, i mean just as like let's say my part like if i was you know meeting with hans as his advisor i would say okay just try to you know mend relations and work on your chest get your rating up and go 
all the invitations that you could ever want will be yours. Yeah, no. And again, it's just about, I would assume he's also concerned about not falling into this open tournament loop, which he experienced last year. He didn't make a lot of improvements in terms of rating because of that, or at least that's maybe um, his perception of it. And it's not easy to gain, you know, 30 rating points to jump from like 2680 to 27. 10, 20 uh, in open tournaments is extremely difficult. It's much easier to do it in closed events. Um, That's actually, I, I, I like seriously disagree with this. I have really? To okay. I seriously disagree okay. with it. Okay. I know that this is a very common narrative that like top players, they play in their own little fish bowl and then they go to the to the wide open sea and then they lose all their <laughs> hard-earned uh, rating made by drawing a million games. Absolutely not the case. Okay. Uh, from my experience. I've I played open tournaments over the last few years not many but um like in the last if i go back to like i don't know tournament open tournaments i played from 2016 i think i've gained rating in all of them save for one where i lost maybe four rating points the the last grand swiss and i i assume i don't, haven't checked this but i assume that if you look at the um let's say winners of open tournaments you'll probably see um a general uh, preponderance of top players uh, at the highest ranks of open tournaments. Like I, I think that's what you'd see. I know that Hikaru, for example, he's very often winning these. Like Gibraltar, he's won five times. Sure. Uh, he gained rating all those times, and he was a top player in every single one of them. And I, I played Isle of Man in 2016. I had a 29, like 20 performance. I shared first place with Alyanov. I think it was like eight out of nine or seven and a half out of nine. Uh, in 2019, I shared first place with Wang Hao. In 2021, I gained rating. In uh, 2023, I lost four points. Hmm. Um, Reykjavik, when I played the Reykjavik, it's actually funny. When I played the Reykjavik Open in 2012, my rating was 2770. And uh, Hikaru. At the time, I don't think that we were on like super friendly terms. But Hikaru uh, posted a tweet because I, I was like beating, let's say I beat Ervin Lamy, I beat Irina Crush, I beat some of these players who were quite a bit lower rated than me. And he posted a tweet saying, after seeing uh, how like some players are gaining rating in these open events, uh, I think that we should adopt a uh, weighted rating system such as in tennis, which actually there's a, definitely an argument for that, especially to counter inactivity. But it's funny that back then it was like, oh yeah, you're trying to beat up on weaker players, and and then when like Ali Reza played some open uh, tournament in France, he went well, he qualified for the candidates. He went to seven out of seven, right? Yep. Uh, or, or how many games? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. He beat seven Kansky. out of seven. He beat... Yeah, yeah, seven out of seven. Like these are not easy things, certainly not. But ratings are there for a reason. It's not like Ali Reza if you start putting him in open tournaments against 25 to 2650 average that he's suddenly going to lose all his rating. He might have some bad tournaments, he might have some good tournaments. He'll probably keep his rating because that's his that's his strength. But I think we're discussing different things and we're debating different things. I'm thinking about making that jump from 2680 to 27 2030 not necessarily maintaining your rating at 2750 2750 plus. Why would it be different to get to the rating or to maintain the rating? Mm, maybe factors outside of just pure chess skill. Like, for example, okay, I'm not there yet. I cannot make a living out of chess. Um, playing 
more of these open tournaments and not having the financial security um, to back it up because it's also very difficult to uh, be on plus financially in these open tournaments compared to like invitationals in which you generally get an appearance no, that, fee. You have, that I agree with. Like, of you, course. There's that extra pressure, I guess, in open tournaments. From a financial point of view, definitely the open tournaments are not a good way to make a living. It's 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 a huge slog. You might be fighting for a five grand first prize. Uh, it's not easy. And you have a very uh, short window of opportunity. I mean, if you if Hans, for example, stay around twenty six eighty for the next two years, that's it. Bye bye. Twenty six eighty at twenty three twenty four. Okay, but that's for everyone. That's everyone. I mean, exactly. we've all been there. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't remember what my rating was at his age. Okay, I was actually I was probably already twenty seven. Uh, I think you 80 were. or so at his I age. think you were yeah yeah but but okay there was a period before that where I was 20 let's say low 2700s that was the the make it or break it moment um and I'm sure everyone who has broken to the top level if we're looking at Wesley if we're looking at Jan okay for Jan it took came a bit later if we're looking at Anish uh or Ding or you know everyone has their own path to it but there is a moment when you need to break through and uh and we all do it through the open tournaments mostly. And then you get some small closed invitationals. Like let's say you get to the first time I played the Tata B group, mm-hmm. it was 2009. And then I won it and I got to the Tata A group. It's like you get these small batches of closed invitationals. You really want to make your move there. And then you get a lot of open tournaments where you, yeah, it's not easy. You play a lot of lower rated players. A draw is, is bad for your rating. A loss is disastrous, but um, all the players who you see at the top, they basically got there through playing opens. And then, of course, at that point, like there's criticism for playing, cl- like, why would I play an open tournament? I mean, like, it doesn't make any financial sense. Correct. Of course, if you have an open with, with a huge first prize, by all means, I'll play it. I mean, you saw Magnus and you saw Hikaru playing the, uh, what was it, in, in Doha or in the, well, in Doha? Yeah, Qatar Masters. Qatar Masters. Okay, it was in Doha. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. If you put the money there, then the the top players will go to it. Uh, but if there's no money there, it would be silly to do so. And I would not consider it like a big rating risk to play an open tournament. I mean, it would be perhaps a bit more risky, but also potentially more rewarding because in a closed tournament, um, like let's say I play a Singfield Cup, plus two is already a really difficult result to achieve. And with plus two, I get like what five points. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm a bit higher than the average of the field. And if I score 50%, I lose like five rating points, mm-hmm. which is very easy to achieve. And then if I get a bit desperate trying to win, then I'm in minus and suddenly my rating, um, yeah. You know, the Vikings A tournament, okay. Certainly a mixed <laughs> field. But yeah. we saw Ding dropping like 17 rating points. We saw Ali Reza. We saw Nepo, Ayan. Yeah. Vikings A is a dangerous one. Vikings is definitely a dangerous But it's one. not like there's dangerous or not dangerous. We also saw Anish gaining 15 rating points. We saw Wei Yi break into the top 10. Ratings are there for a reason. They mean something. They're an objective way, unless someone is inactive, in which case you can say we don't know their strength. It's mm-hmm. a, an unknown. Like if Gary came back, he's 28-12. Is he yeah, really? We can, prob- we can probably guess that he's that he's going to drop his rating massively <laughs> from inactivity. But we don't know if he's going to be 2700, 2650, 2720, right? Yeah. All kind of unknown. Yeah. Uh, but the players who are active, we know that their rating means something, unless they're on a huge downward or on upward trend. And then we can say, okay, they're probably either uh, underrated or overrated, depending on certain factors, let's say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. There's uh, 
there's four players in India, all separated, like Vichy, 2748, Gukesh, 2747, Frog, 2747, Vidit, 2747. Kind of funny. I just saw saw the rating list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, water rating point. It's crazy. Yeah, three of the uh, Indian players are tied at the same rating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yes, Hans is on YouTube right now. He's uh, documenting his journey to World Chess Champion. Uh, He's at day seven. He says he's going to upload a video every single day. So looking forward to follow his journey as well. Nevertheless, again, talented player definitely needs to work things out. Um, And, you know, I understand he probably has this perception of himself. He often compares himself with Bobby Fischer and whatnot. And he pushed the narrative. He pushed the envelope for uh, better conditions for chess players. I don't think that's the case uh, right now. You're just fighting an unnecessary battle um, against, you, you know, somebody that probably wants what's best for yourself, um, but not under the current circumstances. And that's, I guess, our two cents on Hans' situation, Hans and the club situation. By the way, uh, the club, just as we were recording this podcast, announced the field for the American Cup. And uh, I don't think there's any surprises there. Let me just check really quick. Boom. The American Cup, where is the American Cup? Oh, I don't see it yet. Okay, I can probably tell you the list. I assume that it is going to be, um, besides me, Wesley Lanier Lebon. Yes. Gregorio Parin, who yes. I think I'll play. Yes. Sam Savian. Wait, so four, five, six, that's six. There's two more. Um, uh, who else would there be? I'm forgetting it's funny because it says that it's it's there but it's not there um okay wait and then i would think sam shankland would probably be there yes sam shankland and shankland should be there yes sam shankland and ray robson of course Mm. that would be the field yeah so wesley lanier levon ray uh shankland um grigori and Again, I'm forgetting someone different now. And did I say Lelon? Anyway, I think we yes. named all the names. Yes. Yeah, no. And we'll discuss about that tournament uh, in later podcasts. Fabi, um, I'll let you go because I think it's pretty late for you. It's close to midnight, 11.30. Just came back from dinner, recorded podcast, doing a lot of work. Tomorrow you're starting or after tomorrow? Tomorrow is the media day and the day after we start to play. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, we'll keep an eye out for everything that's happening in Germany and um, good luck, have fun. And I'm sure we'll catch up at some point during the event to chat about it and and gauge your experience with uh, the Freestyle Goat Chess Challenge. Absolutely. All right, guys. Cheers. Have a good one. Have a great week. Both of you. You you as well, Fabi. Thank you. Bye-bye.